Welcome, Oncers. You have discovered the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is an unofficial podcast dedicated to the hit ABC TV show, Once Upon a Time. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff and Colleen Roney. Hello. Hello. Hello there. I sound like Timothy Weber. Hello there. (laughs) Welcome, everyone, to our main show for Mm -hmm. the episode entitled The Price. Mm -hmm. This is Jeff and Colleen Roney. And our... This episode, the podcast episode is... Let me get the right thing. Ah, It's been a while. All right. It is episode number 294. Hmm. The show notes can be found at onceuponatimepodcast.com slash 294. And I hope you do go and check those out. Sometimes it's just my notes but this time we have pictures and all kinds of fun stuff way cool we had a lot of pictures for our uh, first thoughts as well Mm -hmm. so please check that out and check out the show notes so we will be talking about um the price Mm -hmm. and we're going to be diving in a little deeper into that and but first we have a bit of news actually kind of a lot of news, a lot oh. of things to well, all right, then. bring up. So we have our good friend, listener Ken, up in Steveston, and he's been, uh, he sent us some great information about um, the, there's a Burnaby Lake, and that's where they film next to. Okay. With the uh, Fury and a couple of other mm-hmm. scenes mm-hmm. and that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun to see that. And he uh, he sent a map and, and different things. So I'll see if I can get that up. But we went to Hawaii and looked up locations of Lost. And they do the same thing in Steveston. Mm-hmm. They just find these areas that if you shoot from a certain angle, it looks like New York and th- right. this and that and whatever. And so they do that for Once Upon a Time as well. That is true. Also, something else is... If you are aware, and if you listen to our podcast, you are aware, I would think. <laughs> and if you have friends that are oncers and they're not listening to our podcast or any podcast, you need to help them get to listen to podcast. Uh, there's a lot of people that didn't know about that Yazoo song. Yeah. Uh, they were asking on Twitter. But if they would have listened to our first thoughts, they would have known... Hours right after oh, yeah. the show had aired. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we really try our best to Inform. give that kind of information. Yeah. And it's just... Well, yeah. and part of that is is that we're old enough to remember when that song was brand new. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, a lot of our listeners, well, maybe not ours, but I'm sure some, weren't even born when that song came out. So, you know... Being old has its perks, and that's one <laughs> it of It does. All right, so anyway, Mary Margaret's... Uh, apartment front yard mm-hmm. in Steveston, which is right next to the Steveston Museum. Yes. And the Storybrooke Post Office. Right. And we had our little um, Periscope tour and we showed you that. And I'll give you the link to that a little later on. But anyway, there was a news story that some of the trees 
are going to be removed from that area. Which is really sad because it's lovely. It's a lovely little area. You can walk around in there, and, mm-hmm. and they've got little plaques, you know, commemorating what the historical, you know, importance and significance of that area is. And I'm really sad that they're kind of removing the trees. But, it, but then again, are they removing them because they're removing them, or because the trees are uh, dying and sick and what well, have you? Let me. I, I have just a bit of it, but I would really, definitely. There's going to be a link in the show mm-hmm. notes. So go and read it for yourself. Before we really dive into it, the thing I want you to understand is there's a couple of different ways that people look at that area. Mm -hmm. There's the people that live in the area Mm -hmm. that may or may not watch Once Upon a Time. They don't know the significance of it to us as oncers. But it is more of part of the town and and the soil and different things. So just get that as we read this uh, little bit of the story. So uh, the story says a small patch of public green space in Steveston was scheduled to lose part of its tree cover this week. Wow. Um, A total of five trees, including a mature oak that is roughly 70 feet tall, were to be chopped down for redevelopment of the site beside the Steveston Post Office and Moncton Street Boardwalk for a Japanese-themed garden. Okay. Uh, and then I'll skip ahead to the end, and there's a quote. It says, a pair of two old ladies sitting on a bench nearly told me uh, the w- there was a woman that was crying about mm-hmm. this change. Yeah. And uh, there was two women that were telling this reporter about uh, this woman crying about the trees. And it says, who knows what it really was? Maybe she was. Maybe she had a special connection with the trees. Maybe she met her boyfriend there. And that could be the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of history in that town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, if I knew about it, I mean, that's pretty sad. I mean, that's yeah. that's where Charming jumped over the fence mm-hmm. to go talk to uh, Snow early on in the series. You know, yeah. David and Mary Margaret. That's but where also, she hung the birdhouse. That's where she hung the birdhouse. And he helped her with it. And, you know, that area is where Charming taught young henry had a sword fight yeah and that's where the uh little tink little uh whirlwind windmill little thing was there right garden yeah decoration thing but i mean there there's a lot of important things that happen there Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so it's interesting that there is part of part of it is history for the town but also part of it is for the show yeah so anyway uh check that out and just it does mention in the article that the main tree in the northwest corner will probably be left. Mm-hmm. If they take that tree down, that would be mm, sad. I know. Anyway, and, and that's what we try to do with the podcast and with the uh, blog is we try and go a little deeper into this type of information instead of just um, you know news and other things. All right. We will continue. Uh, so I just want to let you know that the New York Comic Con has just happened not too long ago. And uh, the Once Podcast has some scoop from that. There's going to be spoilers. So I'm going to have a link in there so you can go check that out. I also wanted to tell you we've kind of changed our Twitter and Facebook engagement uh, a bit. Mm-hmm. And we definitely want to grow our Twitter following and our Facebook numbers. Mm -hmm. And so to do that, we are going to be engaging more, posting more. And some people just are not going to like that. (laughs) It's going to drive them crazy. (laughs) But to me, I think if you're part of a Facebook group for something, 
that all that you don't want to just know when the next podcast episode is. I think it's kind of boring. I think it's kind of robotic. It's hmm. just like, here is the next podcast and here is another whatever. So we're putting in news and we're going to be putting in links to spoilers. Now, let me explain. We do not talk about spoilers nope. here on this podcast. Nope. We do not list out the spoiler information in the post, <laughs> but we do provide now links to the spoilers if you want to see it. And if you don't, we warn you ahead of time, hashtag spoiler, hashtag so you know that if you don't want to read it, then you don't have to. But th we have been engaging more and sending out more information, and we our Twitter numbers have grown. You can help us if you'd like. You can help us with the Facebook folks by, folks by sharing and uh, commenting and liking and, and that kind of thing on the posts that you are interested in. It's not just spoilers. We're tweeting out pictures and f stuff from Instagram mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and all that. So, And even this link about this story about this area in Steveston. So whatever you can do to help us grow engagement and just understand that we're going to be sending links to spoilers, but it's not the spoiler information. Right. And so uh, rainy sides interview is up on the blog and you can check that out. We have links to both parts. Part three is going to happen this next week. It's a great story. You need to read it. And also uh, if you Want to, if your dream is to go to Steveston slash Storybrooke and to see that area, but you just don't have the money or the passport or anything else, mm -hmm. we record. And, and again, a lot of people don't know this. It's just kind of I, I, I thought I tweeted it to the world. But anyway, check out our Storybrooke Periscope tour. It's a recorded video that we took live when we were there. We take you around to all the areas on Monkston Street. We didn't go to all the other house locations. Right. But check it out. We have a link to that in our show notes that you can check out. So that's, I think, that's yeah. it. That's pretty much it for news. Yep. We have some great emails, and I already mentioned one, and we will uh, dive into our email points. What about show points? Yeah, I forgot about that. So let's hold off on the emails. Let's talk about our views. We do have our views. Yeah, because i got like three or four of them that I need to talk about that I wanted to bring up that we didn't talk about before. We, we certainly didn't wanna, don't want to hold you back, because I know that is tough when you... Because I have things to share. I took, made the effort to pay attention again, and so I want to bring that up because I set up the I blog didn't... post differently, and it's throwing me off. But yeah, that's fine. okay. So our views. I will let you go first. And then okay. Kind of... So there's a couple things. First, okay. one of the first things I noticed was that when Henry was on the dock, he called Emma Swan, Emma Swan, Emma Swan, mm -hmm. and I immediately went Beetlejuice. Yep. Yep. So I thought that was kind of funny I'm that she showed up that apparently, which then actually it kind of made me start thinking if Beetlejuice was a ghost, mm -hmm. then calling Emma Swan three times is summoning Emma. And it wasn't the dark one kind of, I mean, it was cause she looked like the dark one, but was it summoning the Emma that's really underneath the dark one, hmm. the ghost of Emma, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause she treated him more like, you know, Emma, Emma. Right. So I thought that was kind of fascinating. The other thing I noticed was that when 
Arthur and his two men came riding up the street um, while the dwarves were kind of in the middle of the street there. They rode past and we saw the same view with the Tinkerbell little garden accessory with wings spinning exactly like how Emma did when she rode in. And when she rode in, she was riding in as the savior. Arthur was a savior of Camelot. Mm -hmm. Yep. Arthur has Excalibur, which is the primary big, you know, parent piece of the dagger. So we keep talking about the savior and everyone assumes it's going to be Regina because Regina is trying to make it. So is it really that Arthur's going to turn out to be a savior in this time? I don't know. Can we trust him? That's a good question. And that's exactly it. Because then I also noticed that when he was sitting there talking to Guinevere at the round table after Percival died, it was, you know, we don't want, we, we can't let this destroy what we've worked so hard to build. Mm-hmm. What did they work so hard to build? Well, but and assuming assuming that it is Camelot, which is a great place, which is a you know magical, wonderful place. The fact is, is is he trying to? Is he really, truly in, in supposed to be like some sort of savior himself? And well, he's yeah. But, but, I mean, but yeah. what I'm saying is, or is he not as good as we think he might be? Well, and that's that's the case. I well, we'll we'll get to some other things that kind of go into that it just the the thing i i am um yeah we'll we'll talk about the bet it just feels like wolf and sheep's clothing perhaps or yeah. or he legitimately is an actual like savior even though he keeps talking about the savior that's supposed to come in he himself saved camelot so i mean that's what i'm saying i just i'm finding it very interesting he's the true king yeah she's the savior henry's the the truest believer i mean Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of you know finite things here right and what i was going to say is what it also then you know prompted for me was to pay attention to the fact that there are parallels between regina and emma right now emma has embraced the dark side Mm -hmm. and she got it because she got a taste of it Regina got a taste of being the savior and she's enjoying that and really wants that, even though that's not really her, her role. That's not who she is. It's not to say she can't be the savior. I'm just saying that's not who she was destined to be. So I find it interesting that they're paralleling each other right now because Emma is embracing the dark side and that's not who she was meant to be. That's not who she was destined to be. Yep. So there's a parallel there. The other thing I noticed, too, was that Regina kind of lied to Robin. And what I mean is right before the Fury came and grabbed him and took him away, Regina told him that no one believes I can be the savior. Emma told me that no one believes I can be the savior. Emma didn't say that to her. Emma said she knew she didn't have it in her to be the savior. She never said... No one believes you can be that. As far as I'm, as far as I can recall, maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed to me that it was very much either Regina was lying to Robin, but more likely what it is is that she was interpreting her own insecurity onto what Emma said. Does that make sense? Sure. I've not that that's ever done today. Sometimes, of course. sometimes people do that all the time. 
because mm-hmm. they, they want validation and they take one person's Sometimes view. Sometimes people do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Some people do right. it all the time. But yeah, I mean, that, yeah. because people want to be validated. Absolutely. And we'll, yeah. And, and I think that's part of part of what this is. And sometimes it's an action mm-hmm. that you need to do. Run a race. I don't know. Achieve something incredible that you right. do. And then people say, oh, well, you are that whatever. So, yeah. yeah, I just think it's that whole thing of, you know, I don't think I can do it. Therefore, everyone else must think that, too. The, the key to anything, I think, whether you get accolades or not, is if you don't believe it, your own self about you, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't matter if the world tells you. I right. Mean, you right. Know, That's so. exactly right. Because yeah. even now, even now at the end, Grumpy even said, if anybody's going to be the, if anybody's going to save this town, it's going to be you to mm-hmm. Regina. And she, of course, you know, she, that's why I'm saying she got a taste of that and she liked it. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that because she wants to be that good hero, that savior. But is that really what she's supposed to be? And, and I actually have a theory that, if Regina had just taken on the darkness the way she was supposed to have done because the darkness was coming after her, I think that Emma could have saved her. But Emma, being the savior, thinking that was the way she needed to go with it. Or is it that Emma maybe had already gotten a taste of kind of the darkness when she killed Cruella Mm -hmm. and wanted a little more of it? We don't know. But I'm just saying, I think that theoretically, if Emma had not taken on the darkness and if Regina had, I have a feeling we could have, it would have been a very different show. And I think it would have been actually the way it was supposed to have gone in their design, you know, destined roles, so to speak. We're, so. Si- we're getting set up for, I think, a battle between Emma and Regina toward the end. I'm so, afraid you're right. Because they've switched roles. Re, look, Regina was never the dark one. But, I mean, no. as far as the good person versus the bad person, you know, we're we're seeing that set well, up now. I mean, we even still saw, and I mentioned it in First Thoughts, you know, uh, Snow and Regina in her office. It's the whole stark contrast between light and dark, black and white. And Regina wasn't in black, but she was in a very dark green. Well, Arthur's shield or whatever that thing he was exactly. holding, too. So. Well, yeah, it's all about black and white. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because really and truly, life isn't black and white. It's it's a lot of gray area. Yeah, there is black and white, but there's a heck of a lot of gray area. <laughs> Some people don't admit that, but we'll keep going. Yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> I wanted to uh, talk just a bit about, you were talking about, Arthur and Gwen were talking about their their Camelot mm-hmm. and what they've built. Every king, every kingdom in this in this show yeah. has had some kind of problem threat, and that makes them go to the Dark One to right. get some kind of magic or something. And they'll give children, they'll give this, they'll give whatever to fix it. And so, exactly again, all these kind of perfect towns and villages and kingdoms it's not perfect they have trouble they have crops it you know whatever so all right so i will quickly go through my points and i think some will dovetail with colleen's for sure so regina the hero uh regina is experiencing one of the downsides of being a good person it's not the first time because she experienced that in season two a little bit season three here Mm -hmm. and there Mm mm-hmm 
Um, but a good person that isn't ruled by their passions or revenge. She allowed herself to be part of a team as, and as season five unfolds, she's now the only member who has magical power, mm-hmm. good magical power. Yeah. Being a hero is just like being a heavyweight boxer. Uh, you can't rest on the accolades alone. You will be challenged all along the way to get and keep the title. And what's interesting is she doesn't have uh, gold to run to anymore nope. or to, to run things by and maybe to get some help. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just gold was a confidant of her. Yeah. And also well, Emma, he was her too. teacher. He was her teacher. Right. And so whenever something was going wrong, she would run something by him and explain, Mm -hmm. and he would kind of correct her or give her no (laughs) advice at all. Mm -hmm. But she was somebody that, in a way, could rely on. Uh, He was somebody that she could rely on, but also Emma as well. When she was in trouble, she could rely on Emma to help her. So Gold and Emma are out of the equation. It's just her. Yes. And this is a whole new world for her to kind of get this whole savior part because she she has the evil queen down to a science but she doesn't want to go back there so i think it's really right interesting and i just thought of a really fairly good sized plot hole that nobody really <laughs> paid attention to so if all magic comes with a price all magic comes with a price then tell me what was the price for destroying the wraith? Because they use magic to destroy the wraith. Right. Where? What was the price when Regina healed Henry's ear behind his ear after Emma knocked him out? Basically, you know, accidentally pushed him away during season four. Where? What was the price for Rumple healing? Uh, Bay when he got injured when he was a kid when he first became the Dark One. I'll give you the general answer that producers would probably give you is like we don't know what happens behind the scenes of their life, and that's the truth. And that is we very true. Know. We don't see all of it, but I'm just saying so. it's funny how the 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 um, fury was such a huge price, and why didn't it happen it in life. Camelot? It, it was it was a life, I understand, but. but what I'm saying is. It's that whole thing of yeah. I get where I get where you're going with this, and I, I I understand that, and I'm like okay, suspension of disbelief, but I'm like wait a second, if we're gonna get really nitty gritty on the details of all magic comes with a price, mm, oh. the rules of magic are pretty loosey goosey in some cases, in my opinion, but we'll we won't go there. All right, so Regina is being tested to be the savior mm-hmm. to save Emma. Mm-hmm. She's alone now. Yep. And anyone that could help her has been incapacitated mm-hmm. or is the road to being the dark one again. Right. Um, and now, so it's Regina's turn for the uh, hero's journey for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to save Emma, her friends, and keep her happy ending, she's got to face a path of a hero that includes temptations to go back to being a villain. And so those things are really going to be oh yeah interesting. And it's very similar, I think, to Hook. Because Hook... Well, I was fine because he had that whole vengeance deal, right? You know, wanting to kill the dark one, and that's what he was talking about. But Bell, really, I think, gave the the best line of the whole show: is it's easier to hate and you know the dark one than to love the dark one, right? And that I think is going to be 
the biggest test of all for, yeah. uh, for Hook. It is. Uh, so let's move forward. Okay, so one thing that kind of jumped out at me is there was a the Fury discussion. Mm-hmm. And there was a point where in the price, Regina told the Fury, you're not taking Robin anywhere. And that reminded me a bit of uh, in Poor Unfortunate Soul, when the evil Regina, the evil Queen Regina told the present Regina, get away from him. And I, I saw kind of a connection between the two. Okay. And it was almost like a precursor, a warning. Yeah. It was a warning then, and I think it's still a warning now. Right. So, anyway, I, I still, I wonder if the Fury was kind of a, a device to get Regina to kind of uh, dig down deep and become the savior and not kind of shrink back. And well, she's the not, other, so. The other thing, too, is what if the Fury was a representation of Regina's old life? Remember how she so told giddy. Emma, yeah, yeah. she told Emma that she believed that the dream meant that it was, you know, she was protecting Robin from her old self. That's what that whole, that's why that, it wasn't like she was, you know, she wasn't, the evil queen wasn't coming after her. She was protecting him from who knows what. And so what if, you know, Regina, the Regina we know and love now is, you know, that fury was like a representation of the old darkness. I don't know. Right. All right, so let's go ahead and we'll dive back into our emails. Sorry for the discombobulation, but would you expect perfection, really? (laughs) I I would freak out if it was perfect. Okay, so the first email comes from uh, Ken, and he was talking about uh, he recognized a pawn in the four scene locations. Uh, because actually he worked across the street for 15 years. Did he really? Oh, that's so funny. he said he walked through there all the time. and It's a beautiful little just, pond. Yeah. I I love Vancouver a lot. They mm-hmm. It's a very forward-thinking town. They do a lot of great electronic stuff and a lot of digital work. Lucasfilm has an arm of their stuff there. So it's a very forward-thinking town, but because of the, um, the Asian and Oriental... Um, history of it all. Mm-hmm. They still keep the sense of loving nature and kind of mm-hmm. taking taking it all in and being health conscious. They have some of the best fruit up there. I've, oh my I've gosh! Ever eaten. No kidding. And it, so it's just it's important. It's important to them. It's the so best. It's, great. it's the best of the old traditional world with the new modern world as well. It's a perfect blend. I love Vancouver. I absolutely just adore Vancouver. I think it's one of the best cities on the planet. Because Steveston was a fishing village Mm -hmm. way back in the day. And there's still little kind of whatever. Mm -hmm. For instance, where Henry's uh, castle was, there is a... um, It's a monument. A monument to the old uh, fishing uh, history of the town. Yeah, it's a fishing needle. So Mm -hmm. uh, anyhow, it's just... To repair nets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and as you kind of go through like the museum and different things, you'll see the history that's just 
It's it's in that yeah, town. Yeah, it's there. So, and one more thing, even in Granny's Cafe, if you look, there's a little window in the mm-hmm. top floor mm-hmm. that shows a sailing ship. That's not for a hook. Some would think that's the history of the right, town. Right, And the cannery. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so um, anyway, he... So he goes on Pond, Camelot, Emma, and Rumpel scenes in the forest, and probably the four scenes in Storybrook were at Burnaby Central Park, mm. and a short distance away, a short distance away at Roberts Burnaby Park, um, the Emma and Rumpel and Meredith scene. So they're all kind of close by. Mm-hmm. Vancouver's a very interesting place because there's so much in a very small little area, yeah, you know, forests and stuff, and. Um, he says both parks are just a few miles away from the studio lot mm-hmm. and uh, uh, bridge studios. So, and he also mentions uh, the whole tree uh, discussion that we had. There's a, a spiritual trees like the Kalpa tree, mm-hmm. uh, and um, he has a pic. He had a picture or link to that. So, anyhow. Uh, he also previously sent pictures of the uh, horses of the, when the Camelotians rode into town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll have to post those. Cause oh, very cool. Those were spoilers before. I yeah, they wanna, were. I didn't want to show that. Yeah. So thank you, Ken, so much. Yes. Uh, Ken was there when we did our live uh, first audio broadcast. He so was indeed. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right. Uh, this is from Alina. She really enjoyed the episode and... Uh, Charming giving uh, Henry girl advice. You know, <laughs> you're from another land. You're mysterious. And he said, use that. Use that. You know, go over there. And uh, and the the iPod. And I, I have. reminds me of gold going to him for love advice. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on Valentine's Day. So I thought that was kind of funny, too. Charming is the love guru. He is. But actually, and I'm, I'm kind of taking a sidestep away from this email really fast. I have to say that Grumpy is probably the smoothest pickup artist I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. I mean, he has all this experience in life, but he just walk up and he could walk up to anything. In this case, mm-hmm. he walked up because, you know, when I, when I see when I see that flower. When he walked up to Belle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, he, you know, it's like, well. But all the petals are flying. No, the petals that are still there, there's still hope. That was enough for her to say, yeah, okay. You want to dance? <laughs> I mean, can you just see, can you see him walking up to some a woman with coffee? You know what I see when I see that latte? You know, I mean, anything. Yeah. He could, uh, Grumpy is just incredible. Just incredible. Grumpy, Grumpy's got and the moves, man. No wonder he wanted to go to all those balls and, and all those kind of, you know, special events. He just... He, the magic of Grumpy just hey, turns it Grumpy, on. Grumpy's got it with the ladies. I know that. Remember, know he's that. not like the others. That's why he's so good at it. Well, he, he, he has sprinkled. a wingman, and he's well, got all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Poor Doc. Doc's the wingman. <laughs> love that. I do love that. That's pretty funny. Can you just see when girls are taking Grumpy to go dance, Doc's like, hey, well, hey, I'm a doctor. Hello. Okay. Yeah, he's not a doctor, though. His name's just Doc. But he delivers babies. Well, okay. But anyway, what I think is funny is is that Grumpy Grumpy is that way because um, Astrid right. dropped some fairy dust on him. So he's special. He's different than the other dwarves. That's why he's got the moves. Okay. 
I, I just think he's uh, he's just cool. So, he's pretty slick. There you go. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Alina, for that email. This is from Chris Tipton. Hey, y'all. I felt like this was a pretty average episode. Well, <laughs> okay. I, I think there were some good parts. but There was definitely some right. really good parts, but it wasn't like over the top. Oh, my God. We had a just massive reveal that just plot twist blew our minds, kind of like when we re- when we were told that guess, the dagger came from Excalibur. I guess if so. you're a Yazoo fan, this would have been an incredible episode. Oh my gosh, it was my awesome. <laughs> okay, I for those him. of us that were teenagers in the 80s, it was awesome. <laughs> yep. It was totally rad. When you remember when MTV used to show videos. Oh my man, gosh. Yeah. That, it was MTV fun. actually had music on it. Yeah, it was what? pretty awesome. That's I know. crazy stuff. I, know. I thought great? it was just Snooky and that was it. No. Okay. Uh, it had some good moments, but pretty slow in a lot of places. But alas, my top five. Hang in there, Chris. It'll get better. Number five, Henry and Violet. I mm-hmm. loved this. Henry finally had a love interest other than Cinnabon. Well, Cinnabon. <laughs> Adorbs. Okay. Yeah. Cinnabon is incredible. I wonder if their memories might not be gone. They just needed something to jog them as Violet uh, said she felt like she heard the song before. And I, I agree. I think that little things kind of jog it, and hopefully it won't take touching a wolf or something. But, right, right. Yeah. Does anyone remember that anymore? <laughs> Does anyone remember season one anymore? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and how a matchbook could get uh, Lacey, you know, put in play for Belle. I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All right, I did feel like she took seeing such an alien piece of technology a little too calmy. Okay, I'll go with you there, Chris. Yeah. I would have kind of flipped out. Well, I mean, if I was from Camelot. But 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 again, by the time that she that Henry showed that to her. Mm-hmm. Right? Wait, no, that was in Camelot, so never mind. But yeah, it was a little unusual, but again, they're used to magical weird things happening in their land. All right. Right? Yep. Also, we need a ship name for Violet Heart. Violet Heart, anyone? Mm. Okay. All yeah. Right. All right. All right. So number four, the Fury. I'm not educated at all on Arthurian legends, but I thought the Fury is from Greek mythology. It is. Maybe y'all can correct me on this. It also reminded me a lot of the Shadow from Neverland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, it was pretty creepy. Mm-hmm. I also was extremely underwhelmed with the re- resolution to the Fury. They didn't explain it at all how they defeated it. True. True. Bell did kind of infer the explanation. Well, she, no. She, no. She gave the explanation, sort of. No, I think what what was happening was it was implied that... Yeah. You had to pay the price. But like I said, and hopefully if you if you listen to the first thoughts, what I I am assuming based on what I watched, what I read into this, I can't say that I'm correct, but I think I'm correct in saying this. What it was was the Fury was only allowed to take one life for life for a life. It was an equal thing, kind of like Wonderland. Two go in, two come out. One goes in, one goes out. Five go in, five mm, go out. It's yeah, kind of a thing. Right. You can't have less than or greater than. It has to be an exact number, right? 
So the fact that it was trying to take Robin, Regina goes, no, take me instead. And it goes, sure, I'll be happy to take you. You're the reason this is supposed to be started in the first place. So it started taking her. And then Snow goes, nope, you got to take me too. And then it's like, well, okay, because Snow was only half a heart, right? So I'm sure that's maybe why it was like, well, maybe that would be okay. But then Charming and then Arthur and then Grumpy. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait, wait, this is way too many people. I can't take all of you. And that's what defeated it. Arthur getting involved was really was interesting cool. because I am kind of concerned about Arthur and, and his group. But maybe Arthur's good. It's hard to tell at this point. It's very it, it could go either way very easily. And so it'll be real interesting to see how that goes, because maybe the, you know, the only thing I can think of if Arthur is not good, if he's, if he's kind of got a, an ulterior motive, he wants the dagger to be reconnected with Excalibur because that would give him ultimate power over everything. So if he's wanting unlimited cosmic power, then by all means, that's the way to do it. That's why he wants Excalibur and the dagger. Not right. because he's trying to save anything. He could want it so he could take over the world kind of a thing. But anyway, point is, is that I believe that the Fury was defeated simply because it was overwhelmed with too many souls to take, so to speak. Well, probably the the idea of the, um, the goodness of people's hearts, too. Well, that, too. Like the, I the mean, compassion. I, I maybe it didn't kind of figure into that whole thing. And when people care about somebody else, right. it's like, right. that's when you, you know, I mean, the sacrifice, I mean, the sacrifice was mentioned again, Yeah. you know, and, and these are really kind of deep themes and all these mm-hmm. uh, different types of stories. Right. And, uh, right. So the fury was just a fury. Yeah. Again, it was a, it, it is a Greek mythological being. Um, and, I believe the Fury was a basically an agent of the underworld, so to speak, because we've never even met Hades yet because Hades see, controls you, the underworld. So yeah. you watch at some point in time, somewhere in the near future, we're going to see Hades is what I think. But that's just my my guess. So the Fury is an agent of the underworld. That's all. Nothing more, nothing less. And its job was to collect on the payment. And the payment was... Hey, by the way, got to take Regina. You know, reminds me of. But I'm going to take Robin the, instead because uh, Robin's the one who got healed. So reminds me of the clickers and Ghost, and you know, I mean, ju- if you're a fan of like mm-hmm. '80s and '90s and '70s, like uh, rock, kind of like Rush and and that kind of stuff, you you'll get more of this kind of stuff because Rush yeah. writes about everything. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Uh, Number three, the new curse, yawn, another curse. I'm kind of with you there. Well, uh, I mean, unfortunately, I, I totally agree. But I think what we're dealing with here is if you're trying to stay sort of close to canon with fairy tales, there's really not much else. It's curses. <laughs> curses, foiled again. No, not quite the same. But All it right. is curses. There's, I mean, curse of this, curse of that, curse of that. I mean, that's a big thing. So, I mean, there really weren't a whole lot of other devices that were used in fairy tales other than a curse. All right. Uh, I am relieved there is a new effect, though, to leaving the town since they turn into a tree and Merlin was in a tree. Maybe whoever put Merlin in that tree has something to do with this curse. 
Good point. Possibly. Maybe it was Emma. Maybe it wasn't Emma at all that cursed them back to Storybrooke. If it was, who knew she had a thing for trees? <laughs> yeah. I'd also like to know how Emma cursed everyone back to Storybrooke if, in fact, it was her. I don't think it was her. I think it's going to be another one oh, no, of those uh, surprises. I believe absolutely was her. She's flat out said to Regina on the dock, okay. I built this. Perp- I built this curse without the thing you need, which is a savior. Okay. She flat out said she did it. So right. Emma did absolutely curse them back to Storybrooke. And she took away their memories, too. So Wrong again. All right. But So if she just did it without needing to use all those uh, ingredients, invalidates all of season one, basically. What could she have possibly sacrificed that she loves most? It's clearly Hook right now, but he's just fine. And and that's true. I, I think... I, okay, I, but that was the big, bad, evil, awful, right. dark curse. Right. This is just a regular old run-of-the-mill curse. Because apparently there's more than one type of curse. I, and, there's and, a sleeping curse. And you don't have to sacrifice anything that you love most for a sleeping curse, right? Right, right. So I, that's the, the... I agree, though. I see where curses go with this. But at the same time, I they're... They've added layers to curses. So the dark curse that Regina cast required that sacrifice in order to make it so evil, awful, bad that you would, you know, whatever. The fact that Emma did a curse, it's not evil, awful, dark curse, but it is a curse. So anyway. Yeah, we need uh, we need a little input from uh, Adam about uh, yeah. curses. Yeah. Uh, number two, King Arthur. I'm really digging this character. Having him and other people from Camelot show up in Storybrooke was awesome. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if this curse pulled all of Camelot to Storybrooke. Maybe. I, it didn't take everyone from uh, Storybrooke. I mean, in the past, you know. Right. You just kind of pick certain things. It so. was, yeah, it was certain certain folks. Uh, it seemed to me, based on what was said in the episode, there were some people from Camelot, but not all of them. Right. I suspect Arthur. Arthur. <laughs> you've been, it's, it's gonna you've be, been messing up words all, it, all podcast, so, but it's all right. It's been a podcast uh, day. This yeah. is a Sunday, so we're doing the main show today, this morning. And we'll do first thoughts tonight. We've done that before. It's a palooza. Mm-hmm. All right. I suspect Arthur isn't as benevolent as we think, especially with mm-hmm. him spying on them with the necklace. Technically. It was Percival. It was Percival. Yeah. I get what you're saying, but But here's Arthur, the question. Percival covered up for him. He said, if Arthur knew what I was going to do, he would not allow me to do it. And Arthur took place in the whole saving Emma right. from being taken. But again, so is that all a ploy? Is okay. that all a, I, I, a play? I, I mean, d- where did Percival get the necklace? Is what I would love mm-hmm. to know. Who gave it to him? Yeah, I hear you. I, I'm just so, I'm kind of laying out both sides. Right now, it appears that Arthur is not involved in all this underhanded, sneaky stuff. But that could just be a nice little cover for the fact that he's behind a lot of this. And maybe he himself trapped Merlin in the tree. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's more to it than that. I think we're going to see that Arthur's the one who trapped Merlin in the tree. I think we're going to see that Arthur is the one who is trying desperately to get the full, uncontrollable, unbelievable power. Because maybe that will actually 
that Excalibur whole again is the only thing that can defeat Merlin, who seems to be the most powerful being. I know we were told a long time ago that it was Roel Gorham, but I doubt that with well, every fiber of my being right now. So because she doesn't seem to know a lot of what's going on. So either she's the most amazing fake whatever. Anyway, bottom line is Merlin is supposed to be the most powerful being, the sorcerer. He's the one in control of everything, right? Right. He's trapped in a tree. How do you trap a all-powerful being in a tree? Kind of like a genie in a bottle. So he's got to be let out, but whoever lets him out may be the the one that, you know, he bestows whatever on, but the only way to let him out is to reunite the dagger with the Excalibur and therefore that gives Arthur most the most, you know, okay. Gives him uncontrollable, you know, unbelievable right. power, right? So perhaps he's playing this kind of like Rumpel used to do, and he's manipulating situations to feed his advantage so he can get what he what he ultimately wants. Kind of like Rumpel with the with the sorcerer's hat. Sure. And the tree is kind of like the Excalibur, is that it's not really complete, right? Right. And um, they could have asked Arthur, well, how did he get in there, though? See, they didn't you know exactly where he is, supposedly. Yeah, how did he get Who trapped? put him in there? No All, one asked that yeah. question. Right. Well, we'll just get him out. Right. I want to know who got him in there. Yeah. Because then we could, yeah. then it would be easier to figure out, see. And it's very know. possible we're going to find out that Guinevere is kind of in the same boat as Belle. She has no idea what's really going on. And so she's kind of getting, you know, she's she's in the dark just like Belle was. So I think I think we're going to see Arthur's not as good and kind and wonderful as he appears to be. I could be wrong. All right. But I'm I'm going to place bets on that one. Number one, Emma Hook and Regina. I loved Hook in this episode. I'm very mm-hmm. pleased he resisted Emma's advances. Mm-hmm. And there's been the little kerfuffles here and there on Twitter. And, and the reason why is because uh, she's not her own self. Yeah. She's becoming and is the dark one. Yeah. You know? So, and I think he's afraid of getting pulled in as well. So. Well, he, he needs to save her and he can't save her from that if if he succumbs to it himself. It's just like Belle said, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a it's a tough thing to be in love with the dark one. Right. You want to save him. There is love there, but it's a, it's a, you wrestle with your emotions. Oh mm-hmm. boy. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's a shock to me that Emma actually enjoys being the dark one now and she feels it's who she is. I found it so hilarious. Regina controlling Emma with the dagger. It seems so campy. It reminded me of the movie Ella Enchanted, Enchanted where Ella had no choice to mm-hmm. obey whatever commands someone gave her. Yep. I know nothing about that movie. so I know everything about that movie, and that is absolutely correct. I agree 100% with Chris. Okay. The moment Emma and Snow shared in Camelot, which reminds me, Lady Mary Margaret, when she has been called this, when has she been called this in the Enchanted Forest? Now, Chris, I'm, I'm going with you there as well. I thought we had kind of through, gone away with all those season one you know, storybook names. Yeah. I thought they were snow and charming and that's it. Well, but theoretically she calls, she still calls him David. She does because that's his name. That's not his charming is what she gave. It was a nickname she gave him. Now he calls her Mary Margaret, which is funny. And she calls him David because snow is kind of a weird name when you think about it. Okay. 
I all right. I'm just saying that's maybe she's just so used I'm, to being I'm, Mary Margaret I'm, now I'm that it's hard Chris to get on that. It is. I, I get what you're saying. David is his name. Boy. Charming is just, I mean, in fact, Charming seems to be their last name almost, you know, because it's, you know, Regina always refers to them as the Charmings. Yeah, so I wouldn't it's want her to funny. call him Prince anyway. No. All right. uh, it makes it all more devastating that Emma has embraced her darkness. Yeah. And their relationship had come so far from the end of season four. Yeah. So I have to wonder why everyone was freaking out about Regina need, needing to see a doctor. Uh, she can heal herself with a wave of her hand. But I think she's trying to kind of move away from that magic use unless it's very, very, very important. Well, and the and other thing, too, so. is I'm wondering if she just it, it wiped her out. I mean, she when, when you use magic, it's supposed to kind of take a lot out of you. I mean, look what happened. Emma, of course, mm-hmm. was a little different when she healed Robin. She had to leave because she enjoyed the taste of it. And she started, I think she recognized that she was turning into the dark one, which is funny because using magic turn is turning her into the dark one. Then she should never have used it in the first place a long time ago. Right. So, but that's a whole nother ball game. Bottom line is, is that I think she, um, it, it takes a lot out of you. And she just tried to fight off a fury. So, I mean, that's a big deal. It knocked her into a tree. Yep. She hit that tree pretty good. So, anyway. I'll continue with the email. Regina looked amazing in her ball gown. Mm-hmm. I'll say both of them. Anyway. They all did, yeah. Uh, possibly my favorite look yet on her. I mm-hmm. find the idea that Emma healing Robin having a price of a life ridiculous. Um, how many times have we seen people healed through magic and it's never cost a life? There you go. I feel like this was just a cheap plot device to make Regina to be seen as a savior. Seeing Emma start to turn gold was awesome. I really hope we end up seeing her fully gold. I like the ending. Mm. I wonder if the Dark One reuniting Excalibur and the dagger makes the Dark One all powerful. Well, Yes, and and, and I would we've think. seen every evil character and every once upon a time is show want that. Mm-hmm. They they don't want rules. Mm-mm. They don't want laws. They don't want the laws of magic or whatever. They want to break out of that, and yeah. they want to just rule everything with all power, unlimited power, unlimited power. We've mm-hmm. seen it in Star Wars. Yeah. We've seen it in Disney films. We've seen it everywhere. Absolutely. So, uh, all right. Uh, so makes the dark one all powerful and kills everyone they love. So there's nothing to bring them back. This is how the light is snuffed out. I didn't like this episode quite as much as the premiere simply because of the ridiculous fury resolution. Well, uh, it's like geeks. It's like, uh, the galaxy. What's that? Magnificent geeks of the galaxy. No, no. Oh, Hi, guardians of the no, galaxy. No, 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 guardians of the galaxy. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. like that. Yeah. All right, uh, eight out of ten rose petals, and um, thank you good. so much, Chris, for that. This is Chris from Cincinnati, and he'll explain why he said that. <laughs> Hi, Jeff and Colleen. I'm only halfway through your initial reaction to the price as I type this, so my apologies if some of this was mentioned already. I'm the worst at remembering the names of new characters. How can I follow Games of Thrones is anyone's guess. Yeah, I know. I mean, 
because there's some characters like, that you tall know. Tall guy, short guy, guy with a gimpy walk. You know, you have to think up names. There's like a game. So uh, there's like a quiz yeah. it, to see how how Game of Thrones you are if you can actually name some of these people. It's pretty funny. But it's funny. It's like, oh, you haven't read the book, the Game of Thrones books? No, I have not. I anyway, watch them. But when Harry met or Harry, wow. <laughs> but when Harry. <laughs> It's not when Harry oh, met Sally. Oh, gosh, dang it. Uh, all right. But when Henry met up with the princess in Storybrooke, all I could think of was Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. All that was missing All that was missing was Henry's reference to someone in Camelot as the royal ugly dude. Yeah, yeah. When in... When Disney bought the rights to the Muppets... Did they get the rights of all the Jim Henson's properties? If they did, I'm wondering if when Excalibur is joined to the Dark One Dagger, the Dark One and the Savior will join together to form a completely new being, as in the Jimsons. <laughs> wow. Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal. I am. Uh, <laughs> I can assure you, I have not been drinking. That is true. Alcohol. Yeah. I had water and cashew milk. Special water? Special cashew milk? Keep up the great work. (laughs) You say that now. (laughs) Chris in Cincinnati, to further distinguish myself from the plethora of Chris's listening out there. Well, yes. And here's the thing. Here's the other thing. I'm just going to say this because I always feel it's kind of a little bit of a delicate subject. We don't know if we're dealing with male or female Chris's. Because unfortunately, Chris is a unisex name. It could be Christine, Christina, Crystal, Christy, or it could be Christopher and, and that or Christoph. And we don't know what we're dealing with. So if you guys would do us a favor and write in and just kind of let us know so we don't accidentally call you a he if you're a she or vice versa. Because I really feel bad. You know, it's kind of that whole thing of pat on saturday night live no 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 (laughs) we've we've edited before because i i I didn't know yeah and i said he and this and that and i go i'm I'm not sure look we're not trying to make any statement we're not trying to kind of stir anything up i'm just just, trying to kind of be we just want to be conscientious and kind and not make a mistake of calling somebody a he when it's really a she so i mean and we've made guesses but we we are still like I feel like I'm dealing with Pat from and Saturday Live. No. Well, no, because I because it's that whole there's ambigu- ambiguity in between some of the statements that have been made, and I'm like I I don't want to assume anything. So all we're trying to say is just you know we don't want to use the the wrong incorrect gender pronoun after you know, and right. so that's why we're just we've always just said. The name. Chris, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Because we've had another, there was another name too that I forget that we had. It was like, oh no, we don't know if this is male or female either. And it was, it could be one of, it could be either. So. Look, we love everyone. We do. Whoever we you do. are. We do. We just, however you are, we love everybody. Absolutely. But we just don't want to say the wrong uh, gender pronoun. Yeah. That's all. That, that, That's, that, that's all we're saying. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, we will. Con- this is the wildest main show ever, <laughs> and it's going to be the longest one. I just, I know. No, anyway, well, keep moving on. Uh, Chris uh, writes again and says, "Colleen, probably an exception to the whole superheroes and families, uh, 
probably an exception that proves your point about superheroes and families. But what about Hawkeye in the Avengers Age of Ultron? I didn't see the movie, so I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Well, we lost half our audience there. I know. We need to watch. We just it, we do. We yeah. we absolutely do. I need to see it because I've heard it's very good. But I yeah I um, if you want to elaborate in the next email, that'd be yeah. awesome. Chris from Cincinnati since that. Thank you, Chris. All right. This is from Trace. Hello, Colleen and Jeff. We made it another week and another great episode. I have one thing to get out of the way. A question for all of you. So everyone listening, this is for all of you. Yes. Do you think that they are messing with fate by lying about the prophecy? Let me clarify here. Merlin said clearly that the savior would be the one to save him. Being appointed the Savior is differently is different than actually being the one. Mm-hmm. Just because Emma is the dark one does not take away the fact that Emma was born the Savior. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen her be able to still use light magic as the Savior, but struggle with the dark and use dark magic when she's being controlled by the dark one. I think messing with the prophecy is going to be a huge issue. As I said last week, Regina is doing this with good intentions, but what she thinks is right. But the consequences go horribly wrong. What do you all think? Well, I think it goes back to what Merlin said. Is doing the right thing, mm-hmm. even for the wrong reasons. No, the wrong thing for the right reasons what is still wrong. Said, what you just said. So anyway, yeah. that's what and that's I think he was trying correct. to get at. And that's what, I, that's what I was saying just a little bit ago, is that I believe that this is not a good thing, that they really should not have done things the way they did, meaning Emma should not have taken on the darkness. She should have been the savior because that's what she is intended to do. And I know she thought that taking on the darkness was the way to save Regina, but I don't think that that really would have been the right way to do it. Yeah. I think Emma has struggled for four seasons with being the savior. So now she is saying, you all want to be the savior? Let's show you what that's really like to be the savior. Can't wait to hear what you think. Here we go with the price. And that's that's kind of an mm-hmm. interesting take on it. And I, I agree. I think, you know, it's just that old uh, statement of, you know, you don't understand the man or woman or person until you walk a mile in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone just kind of says, Hey, we, we, it's kind of like grumpy was saying, hey, we need help. We have a monster. We need the savior. Help us, help us. And she just probably got a little tired of it. So well, it's, it's kind it, of, it's a little overwhelming when you yeah. realize that that's your job all the time to defeat things that are, you know, it's, it's a little overwhelming, especially when you don't volunteer for that, when you're kind of like forced into it, when you embrace it, then it's not a problem. But she had, she kind of sort of started to embrace the savior problem is she didn't have anybody to teach her what that really means. Yeah. Like Rumple is there to teach her what it means to be the dark one. Right. Yeah, right. So she didn't have that. She didn't have anybody to teach her to be the savior. So I think that's why she, she, she kind of went with what she thought was the right thing to do. And unfortunately it's actually not the right thing to do. I will continue with Trace's email. The relationships and dynamics between all the characters this week were so great. Mm-hmm. I just love the dialogue with Emma and Regina and Oh, 
charming teaching Regina to dance. Mm-hmm. I had the feely feels for sure. Yep. That was a great moment. That was a really, really good moment. I really enjoyed that moment. Bell and Hook had a great had great conversations as well. All of them dancing at the ball, so happy, was so cute. A new ship. I've heard Violet Believer, so cute. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we turn into a tree when we cross the town line. Regina's saying, well, that's a new one. Made me laugh so hard. And uh, Emma saving Robin was so good for Regina. Emma using dark magic, not so good. I actually felt bad for Percival until he tried to kill her. <laughs> he did have a reason to be. He did. He did have a reason to be so upset. Mm-hmm. We all got a reminder that the evil queen was very, very evil, and her redemption has been a great, great to witness. Mm-hmm. What's with Excalibur? I think Arthur and Guinevere need to stay king and queen, and I believe that when it's reunited by goodness, it can rid. It could get rid of the dark one, but if done by the dark one, total darkness and no light, yeah, that would suck. Mm-hmm. I think Emma is playing both sides here somehow. Just haven't figured out at all figured it all out yet. Hmm. She sort of actually helped Regina in the episode in sort of a backhanded way. She didn't send the fury, but she didn't warn her that it was coming and helped her solve it. Just thinking out loud, I guess. Oh wait. Colleen, I loved your theory about Merlin and the Dark One being brothers. Hmm. If that's the case, maybe Blue is their mother. Hmm. Hmm. That is an interesting theory. That would explain a lot, wouldn't it? Just because your kid is evil doesn't mean you don't love and try to protect them both regardless, which Mm -hmm. would account for some of their shadiness, right? Love it. Now, that is probably the most solid theory about Blue uh, uh, I've heard. Be interesting. Yeah. Wow. Mother superior. Yeah, true. Right. And, and they and they love to put those little hints here and there. They throughout. do. Yeah. So yeah. Things that made me go, hmm, Regina could have fixed Sneezy the whole time and yet the poor little guy spent two days as a hood ornament. <laughs> and we can undo each other's magic now. Why did Regina have such a hard time changing Marion back? If she could have just undone the magic. No one is worried that Charming is going dark, even though he killed Percival without a thought. I brought that up, though. Mm. I mean, that's the first time, yeah. you know. And people people get so... Um, Hook talked about killing and this bad stuff, but he never. I never saw him kill anyone. No, we never did. And so it, it is kind of jarring to see these characters actually kill people cora yeah. regina yeah uh, you know that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so anyway i yeah i've done that registered with me for sure yeah uh do you think if he had heard the backstory he would have been more merciful and just knocked him out or something hmm maybe hmm. okay again where's lily yeah i yep yeah. <laughs> maleficent because we still need to, there's still a lot of answered, unanswered questions about uh, Lily and their, you know. Her father? Father and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Is she hanging out in that Italian restaurant we've only seen once with Will? <laughs> 
can't wait for that story to start to unfold. Big love to you both and all the oncers out there. I've told you, everyone, just take it all in and love the show for all it gives us every week. And don't worry so much about a few misses. The hits are all worth it. Thanks and talk to you all next week. Trace. Excellent. And I agree. Absolutely. Take the good with the bad. Yes, and this email is from Rose. Hi, Rose. Hello. And it says, hi, Jeff and Colleen. So nice to be back with you guys for season five of Once Upon a Time. I love this new season and enjoy your depth. Uh, research into much of the aspect whew, aspects of the storyline. I had a little season premiere party. With a few of my friends, and I will share photos with you at the end of the email. Very cool. And they are really, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Mm. They had little, um, like, cake ball stones with little swords. Oh, cute. You know, uh, uh, toothpicks. and It was really. Oh, fun. It's really neat. And, um, all right. Uh, I watched last season's finale in the Cincinnati area with Daniel and Jenny Lewis, Jeremy Laughlin, and some other oncers. It was so much fun uh, watching with them. And I, I would imagine that was really cool, having all those, you know, uber oncers together. Sure. And, um, Did yeah. you just say it was so much fun? No, I said fun. <laughs> I got, swear gotta, yeah, oh I my heard. Gosh. And I still got another <laughs> podcast I got to record tonight. Oh, You've got all day gosh. to kind of get your I need tongue into nap. order. You all need right. to, you, you just wash your tongue and you can't do a thing with it? Pretty much. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you so much uh, for that. Uh, and that and that's cool. So Very uh, cool. big love out to uh, Daniel, Jenny, and uh, Jeremy and the bunch over there. I love your podcast and appreciate the time and effort you put into it. Rose, that means so much. You, even though it sounds like we, I trip over my words and I do a lot. There's sure. a lot that goes in to this podcast. Mm-hmm. You have no idea. You may, if you know Daniel, you know that there's a lot that goes into it. But thank you so very much, mm-hmm. and uh, we appreciate that. <sighs> so it's true. We appreciate it. And time, she continues. Uh, is our most precious commodity, and it's priceless. Thank you for sharing your time with me and other oncers who have a love of the show as you do. <sighs> Thanks so mm-hmm. much. That, um, that's really great. I'm looking forward to this being an amazing season and can't wait for the next episode for your next podcast. Big love, hope, and happily ever afters to you and Colleen. Rose. Thank you so much, Rose. That really is very sweet. I mean, it is. It, we forget that there are people listening. <clears throat> excuse me, who do uh, um, understand and appreciate that we, you know, we are taking time. And there's a lot more. Jeff does a whole lot more for the podcast than I do. He preps it all. He edits it all. Um, makes sure that it's seamless. And even though he may stumble over his words. <laughs> You know, he puts a lot of his heart and soul into this podcast, so he definitely does way more than I do. I just show up and talk. You help me not say the wrong words, and you really bring a well, lot. I try. You bring <laughs> a lot to Apparently, it. Apparently, I'm not, I'm not doing a whole lot today, but anyway. Well, thanks so much, yeah. Rose, and yeah, please uh, check out the show notes. Uh, Rose. 
Rose and everybody else. Uh, yeah, yeah. Of, or the great pictures that she took. Great bunch of folks watching Once Upon a Time. Very cool. And uh, there's a really cool tapestry on the wall with this really neat map. And you got oh, to go check it out. Very cool. So, very cool. Yeah. Thanks check it so out. much. And this is from Brad. Hello, Jeff and Colleen. Take this advice from a great king. Whenever having someone interviewed on a podcast, it's very unbecoming to try and kill your guest. Now on to the things I've learned this week on the episode, The Price. Number one, now is the perfect opportunity for Sneezy to get that chiseled jaw. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. Indeed. Uh, number two, right in the middle of the road is a dopey place to put a tree. <laughs> what do people... I mean, yeah. I mean, cars are going to be coming in. It's just bad. That's bad. Well, it doesn't seem like there's that many cars that travel that road, apparently. But, yeah. I'm kind of surprised that Regina didn't try to put a protection spell around him out there. And because he is technically now a magical tree, it, is he visible to anybody else other than the Storybrookians? Yeah. And I wonder if... Uh, do you remember the tree in the... the McDonald's commercials. Yes, there was a tree, the apple tree, the apple pie tree. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And then there was weird trees in the HR Puffin stuff. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah. He could get work. He, he might. could get work. He could totally get a lot of work. Yeah. And I have to, I have to give shout out and props to Jeffrey Kaiser for oh, the yeah. way he portrayed turning into a tree. I watched his hands go up like branches, and the way he did it, he became a tree. It was great. Well, and I love seeing uh, Team 7, mm -hmm. uh, Mig and Gabe and Doc and uh, Jeffrey. Doc, whose name is David. Yeah, David. <laughs> David and Paul Grove. We, we've tweeted back and forth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Michael. Don't forget Michael. Michael. And Lee. And Faustino. And Faustino. Can't oh, you can't forget Faustino. No, he's awesome. He wears the coolest hat. He does. They're all the, cool the, dudes, the, the but cool. anyway. All right, all right, all right. All right, so uh, number three, Henry needs to realize he's summoning the dark one, not Beetlejuice. So <laughs> right on. See, there great minds go. think alike. Number four, even Doc can't help a sneak peek when Regina changes into a revealing dress. <laughs> Man. Doc was the only one who actually liked that dress at that point in time. Besides Regina. Don't know. Oh, oh, I did. Well, I'm me saying, and Doc. I'm saying Snow and Charming. David kind Paul of Grove, mm. you and me, you and me, bud. We 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 appreciate it. Lana is very stunning in all the gowns she wears. Indeed, I've I've seen her in person, and she is stunning. She touched my hair. <sighs> we need to keep going. Number five. <laughs> Granny's freezer doubles as a jail cell. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I think that's where they held um, Ruby. Ruby. Yeah. For she, a short time when she well, turned she, into When a she wolf. was afraid she was going to turn into a wolf. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So it's not been the first time. Nope. Wouldn't be the first time. Number six. The, great, the greatest magical ability in any realm is the power to shut someone up. Oh. Mm -hmm. Oh. If only. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was take pretty, that to work. That was pretty funny. Oh, dude. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so uh, that that was, yeah, that was pretty funny. Number seven, when taking on the Fury, make sure to equip a helmet. You're going to need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, threw her around like a rag doll. Yeah. Amazing. Number eight, the price for saving everyone from an alternative universe 
is an iPod. Yeah. Does anyone know what an iPod is well, anymore? And the funny thing is, is honestly, that was one of an old, it was an older model yeah. iPod. So you kind of go, dude, at least give him an iPad. But then right. you can't carry an iPad in your pocket. So. Oh, and if you have an iPad, take it to a Disney park, hold it up, and take pictures of the no, uh, fireworks. No, no. Oh, do that. No. That's the most awesome thing. No. Please do. Everyone will just appreciate it behind you, especially. Yeah. Wow. Number nine, whenever a man asks, may I cut in, make sure he is referring to dancing. <laughs> well, they all had swords back then. That is true. They all did. It's a good thing, too. Number 10, the Fury hasn't learned that you never cross the streams. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is C. There you and go. if you don't know that, and if you don't know what that means, shame on you. Oh, you go look you it up. You need to watch don't your, even tell him. your movie. Don't tell him. Go all look right. it up. Another... Uh, 80s reference. Go do it. Yeah. Observations. If Emma ever comes in contact with Merida's brothers, where's Merida? Where she the ran heck? away. What the she heck? She ran away. I don't know. Ugh. Anyway, if, Mer- if Emma ever comes in contact with Mer- Merida's brothers, it would be a new twist on Goldilocks and the Three Bears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Regina led the town for 28 years as mayor, and even though she was hiding the fact that she was the evil queen, she still did a great job. Mm-hmm. This makes her more qualified than anyone to lead the town, and the metamorphosis she has gone through gives her the motivation to be the perfect savior. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Why did true love's kiss not work on Emma? I need to kiss her. That, that would probably work. What? Yeah. The thought. Listening closely to Belle, she explains that true love's kiss did work the first time, but because Rumpel chose power over love at that moment, the darkness forever regained its grip on him. Mm-hmm. Emma must have also made this choice while in Camelot after yep. healing Robin and kissing Hook. Rumpel asked why her kiss didn't stop her hand from turning gold, evidence that she liked the power. Yep. As Belle pointed out, a curse isn't a curse. When the afflicted wants it. Mm. Burning questions. If Merlin is the most powerful sorcerer in all the realms, could it be possible that he turned himself into a tree in order to fulfill the prophecy? Mm. Like to protect himself? I don't know. Don't know. Well, maybe he turned himself into a tree so that the savior would come or the person becoming the savior to be the saver. Maybe. Guinevere said something very interesting. Merlin told us how, what, how it would end. He just didn't tell us how. He told us the, the end. He just didn't tell us how. Okay. What was the end? What's the end? We don't know what the end is. Right. They didn't say what the end yeah. is. What's the end? Adam Horowitz knows. Well, Adam and Eddie absolutely know. Right. But what's the end? Mm-hmm. That is a good question. If Emma created this new curse, how did she get around sacrificing the one you love most? Okay. Uh, that seems to be a burning question. Yes, mm-hmm. burning question. We think it's because it's there, a there, different different type of curse. There are variations of curses, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which brings me to another question. Is this really Emma's curse or could it possibly be Merlin's curse? I still think it's Emma's because she admitted to it. She admitted to building it. 
That's the only reason why I say it's hers. She created it. She didn't need to sacrifice anything because if that were the case, then Henry would be dead. All the curses. Or Hook would be dead. Right. right. So, and sleeping curse doesn't require a sacrifice like that. So, just thinking. That's what's going on here. It's a different type of curse. Yeah. I, I just, you need a scorecard like a baseball game or something. Pretty much. And some Advil. Camelot only knows what will happen with Merlin's prophecies, but not how. Right. Does Merlin know how, or is his prophetic power just like Rumpel's? Right. Spotty and from a weird woman piecemeal. with an with a yeah. eyeball in her hand. Yeah. Is it piecemeal like, yeah. right, like Rumpel's? Yeah. Don't did, know. Did Merida get taken to Storybrooke? That's a, God, that's a good question. We I don't I, know. I knew. We don't see a lot of people we think we should be seeing right now. Yeah. Like uh, Ruby. All right. Theories. Putting Excalibur back together may release the darkness from its limitations. Without a dagger to control the dark one, nothing would stand in its way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But who wields that power? Whoever wields the sword would then either have the power without limitations, because the Dark One does have limitations. Right. So either that would be, you know, there'd be no limitations, or it could defeat it simply because who wields it? I don't know. All right. Have a great podcast. Thank you, Brad, so much for that. Thank you. And we will continue on. We have a couple of uh, voicemails. Okay, then. So some we had technical difficulties, so I will play the others. Okay. All right. Here we go. Hello. This is Kathy. Um, on Twitter, I'm known as Stalati Mila. I have been a fan of you guys since the first season. Here I am, my first voicemail. It only took five seasons, but voila. Um, I'm working in overnight. I work with people with special needs, and both of the girls I work with love Once Upon a Time, so I get to take my passion even to work. How cool is that? We were just watching the the third season and the romance between Hook and Emma, which is pretty darn great. Let's see. The season premiere was pretty rockin'. I can tell that Emma kind of took from some... Uh, some rock stars. Did you get a rock star vibe at all? On Instagram, she posted a photo of, like, her inspiration for Dark Swan, and I saw the Joker on there, and I definitely saw some rock stars. Anyway, I guess that's all I had. I will call again. Thanks. Bye. Hi, it's Kathy again, at Stilapimila on Twitter. I totally forgot to add something. Um, First of all, I loved seeing Gabe Coos. I actually talked to him on Instagram every now and then. We talk about motorcycles. He did a phenomenal job. I hope to see all of Team 7 have a little bit more roles like that. It added just the right amount of humor, and it made them look super cool. So go Gabe Coos. Also, the Once Upon a Time rock opera. I don't live in California. I live in Missouri. But the exciting thing is it's the day before my birthday, which is December 17th, I get to see them in St. Louis, only about a four-hour drive, and I'm bringing a group of friends, so we're going to dress up. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. So I'm going to be looking for that review of yours. Um, and I had another thought about the dark one. 
will Emma be able to see into the future like Rumpel did? Or was Rumpel only able to do that because of the seer? That would add an interesting twist, I think. Okay, this is it for now. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. And very cool that you get to take your passion to work. We don't, you know, if we try to do that, people look at us like we're crazy and they're like, what? Well, I don't watch that show. So that's really cool that you get that opportunity to do that. Uh, Gabe was really great. He's such a cool dude. All of team seven is we, we love them and we just kind of loved on them a little bit. So earlier, so we'll move on to the next point, which is, um, the rock opera. Very cool that you get to see that. It's really a lot of fun. Definitely not, kid-friendly, but it is a great, great, very creative and very well-done little movie. So, Do me a favor, Kathy, because uh, when they are very open and you know you can walk up and say hello and all that, and uh, be sure to tell them that Jeff and Colleen Roney say hello. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, our, um, our review is up, and we gave you a peek of not only the... Um, the review of the actual video, but actually a little bit of the, the uh, red carpet mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing. So yeah. we, we try to take you and give you uh, so that you could be a part of the whole event. So yes, uh, check that out for sure. Mm-hmm. The rock star influence. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I also saw a little bit of the matrix as well. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it's very, it's very cool. And uh, we still can't talk about the the scene we shot no. saw being filmed because we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, we haven't seen it yet. Uh, anyway, so uh, I think we've got one more voicemail. So I'm going to play it here. Hi, it's Kathy. Um, Twitter. I'm at the last email. Uh, I have some questions about the dark one I wanted to propose to you guys. Okay, so the details of uh, Mr. Gold, or Rubble Silkskin, was that he wants to make a deal because of losing Bay and Bay saying he don't break deals. Well, what is the circumstances surrounding Emma becoming the dark one, and how is that going to take play into the dark one now? Because I feel like I don't know her at all, but that's also because I don't know how she turned and i know that will be revealed later but that is just something i wanted to like you know think about like what how is she going to develop because of the way she was she embraced the darkness i was also wondering um i know agnes bruckner is coming back and uh is lily going to egg her on or is lily just going to jump in with her and are they going to be the two baddies i want to know what lily's going to do with her darkness after being exposed to Emma's lightness and if they're going to be good or bad or what. Anyway, oh, and have we ever stopped to consider, like, how many times they have had to, like, lose the memories, regain them? How many memories do they have inside themselves now, including alternate realities? It's kind of mind-blowing, and where's Archie Hopper? He has some work cut out in front of him. Or, yeah. Anyway, I guess that's all I had. Uh, love you guys. Bye. Thank Thanks you very again. much. Back at you. Yeah. Now, you had some thoughts about uh, her comment about the 
uh, yeah, in the previous one, the seer. seer. So interestingly enough, did she inherit that because Rumple took that from the seer? Mm -hmm. If she inherited the dark one powers from all previous dark ones, did she inherit all their abilities as well? So does Emma have the ability to see? I, I, and then in this new email, voicemail, are we talking about, you know, Rumpel made deals because that was what he wanted to do to get to, he had to do that in order to get people to do what he wanted. Is Emma going to do the same thing? Or was that just strictly a Rumpel um, characteristic? It'd be interesting to see. Something tells me that Emma is not going to do deals like that. I think Emma is very different. Emma is going to bring her own little spin to this. And we'll see that she has probably some of the same characteristics as the previous dark ones, at least the ones we know. And then on the flip side, she's also going to bring a new spin to it. So it'll, it'll be real interesting to see how that works. And then her and Lily... Will that is a very, very, very interesting prospect. Will Lily's darkness, you know, be an attractant for her to side with Emma? Yeah. And more importantly, will Emma now, because she is the dark one and probably has the ability or will figure out a way to do it, will she try to take Lily's darkness from her since it was originally intended for her in the first place and then leave em- Lily as more good? Is that a kind of a a bold move to kind of save her, quote unquote, without saving her? But the motivation behind it being Emma needs more darkness. So taking Lily's darkness in into herself would just make her even more because now that she's got the taste of darkness and the power that goes with it, does she really want more power? So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I, I, it'll be, you know, will they, you know, duo of darkness or will they be, you know, because <laughs> what was it? Uh, Grumpy referred to the yeah, the tree of darkness. Tree of terror. Tree of tree terror. Of terror yeah, yeah. So it, will they be the duo of darkness? I don't know. And how is Maleficent going to play into that? Because if Maleficent uh, thinks that Lily's in danger, will she sacrifice herself to prevent anything from happening to her. It's going to be real interesting. You introduce dragons into this and it's going to be, and you know, against the dark one be real interesting. Yeah. So no great points. All right. Uh, that is it for this podcast. Uh, it's a bit long and I hope my word stumbling, everything else was not uh, too bad. So <laughs> I just want to send big love out to everybody. Remember, big love is so big, you can't keep it all to yourself. And so take what you need and pass on the rest to someone or someone's out there. And until tonight, (laughs) we will say goodbye. Have a great uh, week, day, whatever you're listening to. That's um, we appreciate it so much. So tell your friends, tell your enemies that like once upon a time. We really want more folks to uh, listen to us, and uh, we appreciate your help with that. So take care, guys, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. See you. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is a Rony Zone Media production. Our website is onceuponatimepodcast.com. You can contact us by going to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash contact. You can also connect with us on social media 
by going to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash connect. If you enjoy what we do and would like to support us, we invite you to go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash support. There's a number of ways that you can help us out, and we truly thank you for it. The Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast, where you experience more of the magic of ABC TV's Once Upon a Time. <laughs>